What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, Cheesehead TV, joined by Cody Alexander, the founder of Match Quarters, a former coach himself. Cody, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I did want to kind of dive into the switch the Packers are making from a 3-4 base defense into a 4-3, although that seems like a bit of a misnomer after hearing Brian Kudikens essentially say it's a 4-2-5 league. You're almost always presenting four linemen in some capacity to a offense looking at it like 30,000 feet you're transferring from what Joe Barry was doing to what Jeff Halfley most likely will be doing what are the keys what are the things that are going to be a bit different for Packers fans as far as down to down noticeable differences if there are any I think there's going to be an emphasis on playing cover one. That's really been what Halfley has done a lot of times. So coverage wise, that's what you're going to get. Now, when you play some of these different teams that really challenge you through the air, kind of these more spread centric teams, you're probably going to see a little bit more quarters. Uh, So that's really where he kind of is, has his change up. Uh, he's a cover one guy with quarters as kind of the change up. Obviously, you run cover two, you run cover three, you run these other ones. But in terms of like where where he's putting these in the buckets, that's kind of where he's at. I think front structure wise, you you kind of nailed it. Instead of seeing five guys out there, you're only going to see four. That's not much of a difference. Um, really, he's probably going to get – you're probably not going to have – you don't need a big plugger at nose. You're probably going to have more of a, of a G or, or a, a somebody that can play on the guard. Uh, and then, obviously, everybody wants a three technique, whether you're in an odd front or an even front. It really doesn't matter. And then you're going to have your two stand-up ends. I mean, if you watch – if you turn on Boston College tape, you're going to see their defensive ends standing up um, instead of their hand down. And really, any more, it's more of a preference on the coach than it is anything else. What do you make of that as far as your hand down in the ground or standing up? Because I think obviously for Packers fans, we've watched some iteration of a three, four defense basically since, you know, Dom Capers came to town all those years ago. And we've gotten used to guys, you know, standing up as outside backers, although maybe in some situations they are considered defensive linemen. But do you think there's something to be gained by asking these guys to get their hand in the ground? Or is it just a matter of, okay, it's a different technique. You still got to get after the quarterback and, you know, hold the edge against the run or, or is there something more to it than that? Well, I think it's the use of simulated pressures has really changed that position, primarily dropping guys into coverage kind of at volume where you used to not necessarily always do that. I think in a four down, like if you're going to live in a four down. So if you go and you look at the true four down teams, you look at the guys like the bills, uh, the the Cowboys, um, it, we saw it last night. Two four down teams, yeah. Absolutely you know, right. the Forty ers and the Chiefs, they're going to have their guys' hands in the ground. They're not necessarily always asking those guys to drop. I mean, I you would you would find it. I I mean, I would have to go back. I don't know if Bosa for the Forty ers dropped into coverage once this year. Um, it's just not philosophically what they want to do. You know, then you have teams where. You are really a three-four base, but you align in a four-down front a lot of times. And so, what it is is it's a preference for those stand-up guys, where they have a preference of standing up rather than they do 
uh, putting the ball down. Sometimes that could be with they want to if they're seeing a lot of motion, they want to be able to see the motion. They want to be able to see back depth that they're playing a lot of gun teams. Uh, you, you know, when your hand is down, you just really can't see anything other than the ball. So if you want those guys to kind of maybe adjust their techniques on the fly, depending on what's coming at them, sometimes it's better to stand those guys up. Uh, most D-line guys will tell you if they do stand, they're going to teach the technique the exact same. So you're going to have, you know, you're going to have your inside foot back uh, a lot of times. Uh, and it's no different than if you have your hand down, that foot's back, hmm. that hand's just not in the ground, it's up top. So I think that's what it is. I think there's also a lot of um, built-in third down techniques for these pass rush specialist guys where you're standing up, you kind of, your hips are already open. You're not working vertical. You know, there's sometimes those guys tend to tend to pop up, show them your chest. And so that can change some of the technique stuff when I'm already in a crouch, I'm already standing up. So now I can use the hand finding a little bit more. Listening to you talk about the kind of differences and what the emphasis might be from player to player, I keep thinking about Rashawn Gary and something we heard a lot on the broadcast last night during the Super Bowl regarding Bosa was his discipline when it came to not getting too far past the quarterback with his rush, right? Making sure that that lane integrity stays intact. How important is that in a 4-3 or is it like, is it any more important? Is it le- I just don't know what the emphasis might be because any Packers fan will tell you, Rashawn has got a bit of a reputation for really crashing and flying past quarterbacks and opening up that outside lane. Is that something that needs to be drilled in a little bit, even maybe even more with a 4-3? Yeah, I think it really comes down to the pedagogy of how you're teaching your front. Um, are you asking your inside guys to get vertical as well? That's where you get the problem is if you're asking your guys to get vertical as well, or, hey, I want you to hold the double team then that's where you get in problems when you get a guy who's going to fish hook and all fish hook is I'm going to run by the quarterback and try and work back up underneath of them. You do open up that lane typically at the NFL level and at the, at the higher levels of college, you're teaching a natural off of that. So if you're giving a guy freedom to kind of go and do what he wants, then you're kind of slow. I call it a slug rush or a slush rush is another term for it. We're really just kind of holding the line of scrimmage. And then if he flashes color in front of my face, I just kind of rock back out. It ends up kind of being an exit stunt or an ET stunt, depending on the language that you use. Um, that, that to me comes down to a defensive line coach teaching, teaching rush lanes and then the adjustments off of that. And then, hey, this guy has freedom to do whatever he wants but you don't. So you need to, you can't have all four of them just kind of doing their own thing. <laughs> right. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on regarding the line, um, something that you said a little bit ago regarding not needing a big run plugger. Right. And it's funny to hear you say that because as a Packers fan myself, who I remember growing up and watching the Packers predominantly be a four, three defense. And then of course, culmination in the Super Bowl with Gilbert Brown, one yeah. of the best, you know, big men ever to play wow. the game. But it feels like, I mean, and I, I feel like you're reiterating that there, the game has changed in such a way that it, obviously you'd love to have a player of that caliber, but you don't necessarily need it for this kind of front to work. Yeah, no, you need more of a uh, a gap and a half guy, not a two gapper. And what I mean by that is you don't, you're not going to have somebody camped on the, on the center. Uh, demanding double teams or being able to just push that center back and then kind of controlling the center and putting your head wherever the back is and kind of stagnating that front. You're going to have more of what's called a G technique. So he's going to be on the inside shade of the guard. That's why it's called a G technique. So 
he's really reading the center's movement, the center's to him. He's going to try and lock out, get that double team. And then if the center goes to the next level, snap back out and then play the guard. Um, a lot of times what you're seeing now too, especially with we're getting so much outside zone, we're getting stretched, we're getting some of these zone actions is actually facing the guard. So I'm working to the, instead of being a two eye and reading the center, I'm actually going to step to the guard bringing elongating that block for the center if he's going to come to me if he doesn't it creates an even wider lane for that mic to run through what you're trying to do is create you're you're in a four two five with what you're talking about and in a g front like this you're trying to get your linebackers to stay kind of on that line and then attack downhill it's more it's more of a, a patient 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 and then if i have if i have a gap and it's open i keep my foot in it and then if it disappears, then I rock back. That's where the mixing of kind of the three, four fallback mentality, the A to C kind of mentality that you see, and then adding that in with the G front, the four to five stuff is it's really what you're trying to do is control the five offensive linemen with four. And then you're funneling the running back either into a phone booth in the A gap or he's got to roll off the table one way or the other where we're going to have overhangs and our linebackers are going to be able to fall back or work to that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Given Halfley's background, right, you look through his history and where he's been and what he's employed, uh, especially with his time at Ohio State and then in Boston College. Do you suspect that there's a chance that he I know and there's been a lot of assumption about the switch to a 4-3 with good, good reason. I understand it. But is there a chance there are some packages where you're literally finding like three, four concepts or sprinkling in some stuff from a three, four? I, you know, you look at his history. He was a Dave Wanstead four three quarters guy at Pitt, right? Worked for Phil Bennett, who's a mentor of mine for his last year there. So um, I, I can tell you that defense right now, what that looks like. Um, and I, the, the belly key and the G technique and all that stuff that I just explained, that's what they were running at Pitt. So it's that Jimmy Johnson four three kind of a, the, you know, sist quarter system that you're going to get. Then he goes and works with Shiano which is more of a tilt front guy. So tilt front is just a, another word for an under, meaning you're setting the three technique away from the strength. And, and you, it's kind of what uh, see, the Seahawks made that really famous, right. going cover three behind that. Um, in fact, if you go watch Rutgers now, they are a tilt front cover three quarters team right now. They haven't really changed. So, you know, you, you have that probably built in. If he needs to run a three, four, he can find a way to run more of an under front out of that. Then he goes to Jim O'Neill, 
which to Jim O'Neill is a Rex Ryan guy. So this is, if you look at his blip, there you go. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. And I live this, this is, this, I live this experience. So I, this is why when I started really looking at Halfley and all this stuff, it's like, Oh, well, this is basically my background as well. I worked for Phil Bennett, who was a Wanstat guy who was a Jimmy Johnson uh, for three quarters, but we had the Rex Ryan blitz package because he had also worked for Rex Ryan back in the day. So you have what that, what that looks like is you are more of a five man, six man pressure team. You're more of a cover one team when you do blitz you're not going to do you're not going to be running uh, let's say let's take the vikings for instance since we're talking packers everybody's mm-hmm. quite familiar with them we're yep. not going to do a bunch of simulated pressures we're not going to have a bunch of cover 2 movement and playing really soft tampa 2 on third down we're going to get after you right we're going to we're going to send five we're going to send six we're going to attack protections we're going to play man coverage uh and and our change up our curveball will be running a Tampa two rotation or running a simulated pressure. So it's not that those are not in the playbook. He's modernized this obviously. And obviously you, he's young enough too, that he's, he's a lot of the guys at his age are doing some of these kind of more quote unquote modern ways of doing it. Um, But I think to wrap him up is his time with Sala before he goes back to Ohio state. So you have these really kind of a three pronged, tie-in where we have the 4-3 structure that he he probably is going to bring the G front that's kind of thing then you have kind of this Rex Ryan blitz package behind that you have the cover one system you have the quarters and then you have the cover three system from Sala which is kind of that Seattle cover three so it's an all-encompassing it's kind of a whole program now where he lies collegiately at at least is Mm -hmm. the cover one world. I, that's where, that's what, uh, when he was at Ohio state, that's exactly what they wanted to run. This is pre Jim Knowles. This is four, three cover one. That's what we do. We don't do anything else. Um, and then at, at Boston college, that's essentially what he's done, done there as well. Uh, it's run a four, three cover one. We're going to do different things. When he played SMU, uh, and some of these other teams that actually run like pure spread stuff, they're more quarters. So if you do see some pure spread stuff, you see more 11 personnel with vertical columns that you're going to get your quarters. But you're right. You look at his history and what kind of he is. That is going that's the roadmap. And that's what you can expect. It's exciting as a Packers fan who's come off three years of, uh, you know, the attempt at, at running what you know we saw from uh, Joe Barry week after week as far as you know the soft cover two shell keep it all in front of you rally and tackle and I I get excited to hear about the cover one idea uh, obviously but then I think the football fan of me and maybe my my viewers as well automatically think do we have the corners that can hold up there and obviously you have Jair Alexander on one side but it feels like you've got to have somebody pretty significantly talented opposite Jair to make that work if that's going to be a predominant call yeah I think right now I in fact you can watch historically since 2018 there was a little bit of a jump in 2019 just because RPOs were introduced and you can really tell RPOs were introduced in around 17 18 people freaked out defensively in the NFL (laughs) and they said oh let's just man everybody up that was an absolute disaster because the spread overtook the NFL 
And so then you start seeing since 2019, these cover one rates go down. Really, the teams that are running a cover one at volume are got like the Cowboys, for instance, have a have good corners. You know, this year they had, you know, you have Bland and Gilmore. You know, before that you have Diggs and Gilmore and Bland. So you essentially have three guys you're comfortable locking up. Um, I think that's also their mentality. Uh, we'll just man it up. And and I think that's kind of a, a simplistic way of fixing things. Um, Halfley has shown he'll run cover three. He'll run zone cover three. It's not going to be the man match cover three where you can't really tell is this cover three, is this cover one stuff that you kind of see in the saving system that people have talked about before. Um, I think a lot of guys in the NFL call it like three seam. Um, so where the nickels outside leverage of the slot, not inside. Um, but I think, yeah, you need to at least have two corners that you feel comfortable with because they are going to travel with the receivers. So as more, more and more, when we see 11 personnel, when we see 12 personnel introduced, like you still have to have guys that can, can do that. And, and two, don't forget your slot corner who is going to be in man uncapped. Yeah, that's a big problem in Green Bay at the moment. <laughs> that's an issue. I think that's more or less even a bigger issue yeah. than uh, having two outside corners. Uh, if you're going to kind of have a cover one system, you've got to be asking who's going to be the third quarter at the nickel, uh, and then how active is he going to be in the pa- in, in the blitz game? What are, how is that going to look when we mix in zone coverages? Because you can get in a situation like we saw with the Cowboys. The Bills ran into us a little bit of when you run just nickel at volume all the time. How are you going to match up in the run game? Uh, primarily when you start getting gap schemes, and you get linemen on some of these overhangs that are 185 pounds, slot corners. Right. It's funny you say that. We just heard Jordan Love talk about that at the Super Bowl when he was on the Micah Parsons pod. He talked about how their game plan was, obviously, to run the ball. And it was driven by the fact that that was what the Cowboys like to do is have that nickel out there, the you know, most of the time. Well, you know, Green Bay's answer to that was like, we're going to run right at you. and We're going to try and take advantage of that kind of size mismatch. So yes. to speak. Um, looking at the middle of the defense, you're talking about the linebacking core. And obviously it feels like there's probably some transition coming in Green Bay. Devondre yeah. Campbell's situation is up in the air at the moment, but what can we expect out of Quay Walker? It feels like if you're talking and I'm, total Luddite here when it comes to defensive schematics, but it feels like he's a perfect fit for a will for a weak side backer. Uh, Can you explain to people what that weak side kind of priority would be and what you might see out of, you know, a third year guy who's really ascending? Yeah. And I think if you go again, you go and you look at teams that are running primarily nickel uh, four, two, five in the NFL, what do they have? They have these kind of lighter, athletic linebackers the bills i think have two uh with milano and bernard bernard uh who are just bernard's kind of smaller so he plays the will but he can play in the box when he needs to um and then you have milano who's obviously can play in the a gap he can take a running back he can plug you know you can do that i think that's where the mix is and i think that's what happened with the cowboys when they lost really all their linebackers they had to play essentially a safety who was their dime safety at will linebacker. And uh, when teams could really get in 12 personnel run, and that, that's what it was. So, yeah, I do think that he's got, you know, Quay Walker is somebody who played in the Georgia system, played the money backer in that money backer in, in just vernacular wise is somebody who follows the tight end. So this is not the a gap guy. Right. And typically that's where you're going to get, 
in this 425 is you're going to have a mic or a Mac or how whatever M word you want to call him. He's going <laughs> right. to sit in the middle. He's typically going to line up to the back. He's going to be primarily in charge of the A gap. Your money backer it, or your will linebacker, depending on how they want to structure it, if they don't pull the chain, if they pull the chain, then it doesn't, then you got to have two guys that are relatively the same. Uh, but that lines up to the tight end. He's the guy like, you know, last night we're watching Fred Warner uh, go man to man with, uh, with Kelsey. You know, they're not necessarily, even if Greenlaw was, hadn't gotten hurt, you're not going to put Greenlaw on that. So that's kind of the difference, even in a situation where that, where they've got two great linebackers, you're always going to have one that's more primary coverage based and then the other that's more box based. And that will be the difference. And then kicking back to the safety position, obviously, whatever, if it's cover three or cover one or what have you, you've got that middle safety, right? Who yeah. You has to basically control things, uh, essentially closing the middle of the field, hopefully. How talented does that guy need to be? Because I've seen some kind of reactions online to this idea that, okay, they're going to run middle of the field close predominant most of the time. Does that guy have to be a superstar? Is Can you, quote, get by there? Or is that somebody you know you need somebody pretty uh, significantly talented? Yeah, I think when you are going to play a single high system, you need to have – I like to call it a cover safety and a down safety. So you have more of a, a guy that's that's willing to be uh, – we can line him up over the slot if we need to. He's rangy. He can, he can cover the post. And then you have a down safety that can really play on top of a tight end if he needs to. Uh, we can move him around. He can we can move him into the box if we need to. He can play an overhang. He can take a back. He's more of the low hanging player. He's the low zone player, and then you have a high zone player, uh, and that's typically how these four two fives um, have been kind of charged. Is you have a cover safety who's going to hang over the nickel, uh, can help help take him with a vertical if we send him on a blitz or playing other coverages. Then your down safety who's really kind of what you would call in college your boundary safety uh, is going to be more of your kind of, he's the corrector in the box, right? Because we are in this system going to be canceling gaps through movement or playing, trying to play some techniques uh, to keep people off of our backers. And so a lot of times you need that extra guy is coming from the secondary and it's usually coming from that, that down safety position. Absolutely love it. Cody, I cannot thank you enough for the time for even beginning to explain some of this stuff. If you out there are watching, you're listening, and you're thinking, I'm hearing a lot of phrases and you know words and stuff, uh, concepts that maybe you're not familiar with, make sure you check out Match Quarters. I'll link to it in the description of this video. Uh, you can really take a deep dive into defense in general, and especially what the Packers are about to embark on. Cody, cannot thank you enough for the time, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.